Vaxi's musical podcast. Okay, try to follow along here. Imagine yourself in this almost unimaginable situation. You're playing guitar, see, as the youngest member of one of the most beloved and legendary heavy metal rock bands in history. Are you with me so far? Good. Now, try to imagine that you're ripping through the encore one night during what is supposed to be the band's farewell tour as they're celebrating 50 years together. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, on stage, you suffer a massive aortic dissection at the age of just 41 years old. This is exactly what happened to Judas Priest lead guitar player Richie Faulkner on September 26, 2021. Now, had they not been playing just minutes away from one of the most respected heart hospitals in the country, the Rudd Heart and Lung Center in Louisville, Kentucky, Richie Faulkner would probably not be alive today, especially since doctors reported that this was one of the worst dissections that they had ever seen and that family and friends should prepare themselves for the worst outcome. And yet, here he is, less than two years later, not only making a full recovery, he's also been making new music and is about to go back on tour. Remember when I told you to imagine that? I don't think anybody could have imagined this. Richie Faulkner is now in a new band that's slated to release their debut album this month. The name of the band is Elegant Weapons, and the title of the new album is Horns for a Halo. And, of course, it's great because it not only includes the talents of Richie Faulkner, it also includes Ronnie Romero, who's played with Michael Schenker and Rainbow, but also Dave Rimmer from Uriah Heep and Christopher Williams from Accept. This is my conversation with the amazing Richie Faulkner from Judas Priest and Elegant Weapons on Baxi's Musical Podcast. Richie, how are you? I'm good, Mike. How you doing? I'm terrific. So good to see you up and moving around. And <laughs> I do my best. Yes, I, Some... <laughs> I assume you probably would. Some it... days it doesn't work. Some do... sometimes you know I can I can do it. Some days I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do it today. You know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've uh, I've listened to the new record or the the first three uh, release uh, first three singles from the album from uh, Elegant Weapons. Oh, cool. It's great. It really is. And I do want to talk more about it in depth. But you know. Considering what you've been through over the last couple of years, I mean, this has to be just an incredible moment for you, considering that, I mean, you were just inches away from not being here at all. I mean, it's it's really been a focus, really, and a motivation, both this priest, my family, you know, the priest, the, this record, the priest record, the priest tour. As soon as I got back from the hospital... I put the guitar in my hands as soon as I could. I wanted to get back to normality as, yeah. as quickly as I could, whatever that is, you know. So I wanted to finish this record. I wanted to get back out on the road, you know, and, and some people would have said it might have been a bit quick, but it was a medicine. It was a medicine to to, to heal, you know, uh, and to get back to normality. And uh, this record was part of that. So to finish it, to get it out there, to get it out to the masses is um, is what I had to do to get back to 100%. I interviewed Rob Halford about a year ago, I think it was like last March, 
And uh, and although he didn't, you know, respectfully, he didn't give out too many details of what you, you had been through. Uh, what he did say was that it was remarkable the the speed and the uh, and the completeness of the recovery you had. And I think he was really surprised that you bounced back the way you did. And I and I think everybody in the band appreciated the fact that that was among one of your motivations to get healthy and get back on track. It really was. Uh, I think I surprised myself really. Um... Uh, I'm relatively young, you know, I'm not a smoker, um, my diet's, you know, fairly, you know, fairly good, I, I didn't, you know, I don't abuse myself in any way, so I think I was lucky, really, in, in that sense, um, so I was able to bounce back relatively quickly, uh, again, I, I was lucky, I was lucky to make it to the hospital, I was lucky that we had a short set, I was lucky that the hospital was so close, I, there were so many moments, you know, those Goldilocks moments, where the porridge was just right. It was one of those moments where the planets aligned uh, and saved my life, man. And uh, just so so lucky in so many respects to be here talking to you today. Walk me through it a little bit. I mean, you guys, like you said, it was a short set. You were, I believe you were opening for Metallica and you were already into, if I'm not mistaken, you were already into the encore of that show. Were you, I mean, were you feeling ill before then? Were you, were you sensing something was wrong? Tell me about... What led up to that moment where you said, uh-oh, I'm, I'm going down here? Nothing that wouldn't be normal for a stage in that a stage in, in a tour. We were two or three weeks into the tour. There was some, some fatigue going on. There was some, uh, some backache going on. Uh, and, and apparently fatigue and backache were uh, symptoms of something like that. But two to three weeks into a tour... At 40 years old, you're going to be you're going to be tired. You're going to be adjusting to a, a schedule. Your back might be hurting a bit. That's normal stuff. So there there was nothing that wasn't out of the ordinary, you know. Um, and as we were playing, luckily it was the last song. As we were playing, something just exploded in in the chest area, and I thought well, that's not normal, you know. <laughs> um, and as as the song went on, I started to get a bit lightheaded and the pain didn't go away. And I, I thought it was a heart attack initially because I thought, what else could it be in that area of the body? There's not a great deal that could, you know, that's what I thought it was. You know, um, luckily, I, I didn't go down. But after after the song ended, I came off the stage and then sort of collapsed into the chair that they had there and, and went from there. But um, to answer your question, no, there was, there was nothing that I would have thought about that was any, that, that wasn't normal conditions for what would have happened at that stage of the tour. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned that you're, you're in your forties. I'm trying to imagine you're being, you're in a band with a bunch of guys who are late sixties, seventies, you know, even a little bit older than that, you know, watching the young guy get sick. And, and I can just imagine all these old guys saying, ah, oh, he doesn't know what sick is. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it was funny. Some of the, uh, I think the stage manager or some of the some of the crew guys, when they heard that there were there were medics on stage, their first uh, impression was that it was one of the older guys. Of course, you you can think that, you know, yeah. no no prejudice to anyone, but that's just the reality of that's what normally goes on. If someone's going to go down, it's going to be one of the one of the seventy year olds, you know, <laughs> not not the forty year old, right. but uh, that's the way it was. And uh, I think it opened my eyes and opened a few of my you know, uh, a friend, friends in the business eyes uh, around my age and that were doing the same kind of schedule as I was on, they went and got checked as well. Because if it can happen to me, 
it can happen to them too, you know. This was a, a, a pretty important tour too. This is like the 50th anniversary tour. I, I don't remember if it was a farewell tour. I don't, I mean, there've been a number of them over the years, but did you feel like you had to put pressure on yourself to get back to them or, or was it just, you know, just getting back to do what you love to do at all? Yeah, it was getting back to doing what I what I love to do. It was getting back to, um, you know, I've said before, it's it was a medicine to get back to playing, to yeah. touring, to getting back to that, getting back to it, getting back on the horse and doing it. We'd just come out of COVID. So there was, there was the COVID lockdowns. Uh, we went back into rehearsals. You know, the, they lifted the lockdown. We went back into rehearsal. Everything was going fine. We flew out to the U.S., we started the tour. Great. We're back out on the road after a couple of years. Everything's going fine. We're back. And then, you know, that all <laughs> that all happened. So it was that played a part in it as well to to get back on the road after all that was imperative. But just mainly to I'm, the, I'm a guitar player. I play guitar and I wanted to get back to playing guitar and touring live. You've been with Judas Priest for about a dozen years or so, maybe a little bit longer, some, somewhere around there. I, I know you had been in, in a in a band, Deeds, before that, and, and there's a history with that band too. But tell me the story of of how you got to get into Judas Priest. This is a band that, that you were a fan of, and all of a sudden, one minute you're opening up for Iron Maiden, and boom, all of a sudden you're the next guitar player on on Judas Priest. That's something that every kid only could dream of, and it's you know it's your reality. Tell me about that process. Well, you're right. I mean, it's it's uh, it's one of those old cliches, really. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Obviously, it's partly what you know, but um, it's it's a long line of people in the industry that knew someone that knew someone that knew someone. And I knew somebody that the, the priest crew contacted that I used to play in a cover band with. And they contacted him and they asked him, you know, this is a, this is a condensed version, but they asked him if he was up for trying out. And he, he, he graciously... Uh, turned it down he said he's not in that position at the moment he's got a new family and whatever uh and they asked him if he could recommend anyone else and he put my name in the hat but unfortunately he gave him the wrong number it was an old number um so priest actually luckily they were luck fortunately for me they were persistent and they actually contacted maiden's production crew because i'd been out on the road with maiden before that and they had my current number so they were able to give priest my number uh, and the rest is history. So I went down uh, to Glenn's house and met Rob and Glenn and played a few licks and stuff and went from there really. And, uh, but it just to be considered for that position was an incredible honor, you know, and uh, it was just great to meet the guys. And um, yeah, luckily I've got the gig, you know, and I'm talking to you today, 12 years later, it's crazy. <laughs> to be the guy that places, uh, you know, KK Downing, I mean, say, what you will about the guy or how he left or, you know, the relationship of, of everybody. Now, those are still pretty big shoes to fill for, for any guitar player, especially, you know, in a legendary band like Judas Priest. Did you, did you feel any pressure as a result of who you were replacing? Or are you just going to, you know, be yourself and, and see where you fit in? You have to be yourself in a band like that. You can't be someone else. You, you're going to get found out immediately. A band like Judas Priest, you have to be authentic. You know yeah. what I mean? So you've got to be yourself. I knew the the I knew what Judas Priest meant to millions of people around the world. I knew what it meant, but I also knew that I had a shot. I knew I was confident. I wasn't arrogant, but I knew that I I had a shot at, at it. And I knew I knew what KK meant to me. 
and millions of people around the world as a guitar player. And I knew that he would handle it the same way. Like if he he was confident and he, you've got to do what you do. Yeah. You've got to res pay respect to what went before you. Uh, but you've also got to pay respect to yourself and do what you do. And that's, that's kind of how I handled it. And it seemed to be the right way to go. If I'm reading this right, I, I read a story about that when you were offered the job in the band, it wasn't presented to you like this was going to be a permanent job. In fact, they, like I said before, <laughs> there's been a number of farewell tours from Judas Priest over the years. And a dozen years later, you're, you're still in it. How was this presented to you? Was it presented as a, as a temporary gig or, or what was that? Well, initially, when I first got the call, obviously, they didn't know I was going to be the guy. So I guess the people they were reaching out to, they weren't going to give uh, the, the full story. So I think it was it was um, a version of the truth. Uh, initially, it was, could I play a part of the tour? I don't think they wanted to give the whole story away. And that, that was, you know, that, that's a... I totally understand. Uh, they didn't want to give the story away until until they had the person that was going to take over. And then they gave the the whole story and announced it all to the world that Ken had left uh, and this is the new guy. They didn't want to give me that information until they knew that I was the guy that was going to take that position. So right. that was perfectly understandable. Obviously, Judas Priest is one of these bands that has had you know a number of bumps in, in the road. I mean, KK's issues, you had... You know, Glenn leaving because of, uh, you know, his health. You know, Rob's had his share of uh, issues over the years. Yeah, And then, like you talked about before, then there's there's COVID and there's a lot of back and forth about, you know, what the band does next. It, it sounds like at times Judas Priest is not always the healthiest place to hang out. But but your experience with that band over the years, tell me what that what's like to, to be with those guys. Oh, it's, uh, it's always been a massive education. You know, you can imagine coming in the situation I was in before, you know, I, I was, uh, pretty much, I'd, I'd done a couple of things on the, on the, you know, big circuit, but primarily I was playing covers in, in London and England and going from that to a band like that was a massive education. It changed my life, obviously. And you learn a lot from those guys, you know, not only what notes to play or how to, you know, you concentrate on the music and how to represent it in the best possible way, but these, the fans have been there for 40, now 50 years, uh, and they've been there since day one. So how to create the experience for them in the best possible way, the best record, the best song, the best live experience, the best production, you know, and you become a part of that as well. So it's a, it's a massive education in how to be a part of that machine. Last year, the band got inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Obviously, you know, metal bands in general have gotten kind of the short shrift when it comes to getting into the hall of fame i would imagine for guys like like glenn and rob and and, and every all the guys that have been there from the start i mean that had to be a very fulfilling moment for them they, they finally got the respect that, that that fans have been giving them for years but to have something a little bit more official or uh you know a little more ceremonial that must have been a pretty big deal for all of you guys i think it was for them um and it was great to be part of it with them really up there on stage with them um, for me it was just it was amazing to be i mean priest have always been a, a two guitar attack right you know and for one night it was a three guitar attack and i was part of it so i mean it was just amazing to be a part of it with them really just to to be there supporting them and you know they they got the the accolade that they deserved and uh now they're part of the hall of fame you know it's congratulations to them and you know hopefully we see more heavy metal in the hall of fame in the future 
it's like one of those genres that's uh, you know terribly underrepresented. Nevertheless, though, you got a you got a great new album in in Elegant Weapons, Horns for a Halo, and you know it's somewhat of a you know metal supergroup with you know Ronnie Romero played with uh, Shanker and 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 Rainbow, and Dave Rimmer played with Uriah Heep, and uh, Christopher Williams played with Accept. Tell me about this band and and what was the idea of getting all four of you together for this? Right back in 2011, when I joined Priest, I had a conversation with Glenn Tipton, and he said, you know, th this is a band that it's in. Uh, part of their career uh we're not going to be around for 20 25 years you know so right back then it was in my mind that one day i'm going to have to get something off the ground that you know carries on past priest so that was this really you know the time seemed right to to put pen to paper really and see what songs i've got and and those guys were they seemed like the natural guys to get as part of the, the band you know i've got uh scott travis from priest and rex brown from pantera on the record uh along with ronnie and then I've got these guys as part of the band moving forward, playing live. So I've been, you know, blessed really with fantastic musicianship and they're, they're all friends of mine. So, um, yeah, it, it's a band that I can hopefully take forward into the future uh, when Priest are no longer around. And we're, we're all from legacy bands. We're from, you know, as you said, Rainbow and Accept, Uriah Heep. So hopefully we can take that DNA uh, into the future when these yeah. bands are no longer with us. Creatively, though. I mean, to have a band that's, you know, that's on your own and something that is apart from, like you say, a legacy band where you're, you're playing kind of the same hits over and over uh, again every night, this kind of has to be creatively pretty satisfying, too. And then the sense that, you know, here you are doing songs that, you know, you have written or have, you know, built from the ground up. Is that an important part of this for you? Definitely. It's it's important to be a band that writes and evolves and grows creatively for sure i mean there's there's four characters in the band like priest you know there's five guys in the band with creative characters and this is the same in this band as well you know so you take those characters and you put them together and they create its own entity and that for me is an exciting thing about being in a band you know it, it's greater than the sum of its parts you know and what what is it going to sound like in the future? How is it going to evolve and grow on the next record or the next tour? You know, so that's like Priest has over the years. So that's yeah. an exciting thing for me. When you're playing with guys of of that level of talent, you know, when you hear the first couple of songs, you know, Do or Die or, you know, Blind Leading the Blind, you certainly hear the talent that's being displayed on, on the on the songs. You must go into it with a little bit more confidence than would you would have done, you know, 12, 13 years ago. Um, I guess so. I, I think uh, that's a good question. I think that even if I hadn't been with Priest, I would still be doing the same thing. You know, I'd be putting songs together in the same way. Uh, I'd probably still be playing covers in the pubs in London, but I'd still be doing the same thing. It's the same thing that drives me, you know, how to write a better song or how to create a better band or a better album it's the same it's the same driving force so i don't know i don't know what it would be like it is but it, i do know that it's the same thing that drives me you know how to and it's the same thing with priest as well like how, how do i write a better guitar solo or a better song or uh, portray a better message or communicate something differently I, I don't know what it is but it's the same thing that drives me and it's just probably the same thing that will always drive me and it's it's always the bigger picture yeah. you know moving forward into the future Elegant Weapons is going on tour, I believe, uh, this summer, mostly, uh, actually, all European dates at this point. Is there any chance that uh, you might come out to the States, or is that kind of, uh, you know, way down the road here? 
I mean, that's that's uh, that's a hope that we come out to the states. You know, the, the states have always been really welcoming to me uh, personally. Uh, they've been really accepting of the new band, um, and we we're, obviously we're going to start off in Europe, but that's that's the plan to come over to the states at some point. So uh, yeah, we start off in the, uh, in Europe in June, some dates in July, and then we'll see see what we can get, what the agent can get us in uh, in the US, and hopefully we'll see you soon. There's also a new Priest album that's supposed to come out in 2024. At least that's the the last I've heard. Is that still the same release date, or you know, where is that? I don't know when that release date is. To be honest with you, <laughs> they don't um, they don't consult you. They should. You got other things going on. Well, I know I know it's nearly finished. I, I don't know. Um, I don't. I don't have a hundred percent. I don't have a, a release date. So we, I think we've still got to finish off some vocals, and then we've got to mix it. We've got to master it. We've got to package it and artwork and all that sort of lovely stuff. And then we've got to you've got to manufacture it. So it's all that sort of stuff. So I don't know how long that's going to take. So I can't give you a you know a de- definitive date, but I know it's nearly done and it's sounding stellar. So uh, it's going to be exciting for you guys to hear it. When I talk to to Rob Halford, you know one of the things that uh, that I. I don't know if you've ever seen this. This, There are videos of the band that go way, way back to, like, the 60s. And, I mean, they just look like, you know, they, they just look like hippies with, you know, the long hair and the, and the, the flared-out pants. And then and you, then you see what Rob becomes. You know, I mean, first of all, I mean, his voice is just, you know, it's just a remarkable instrument uh, and, and has been for, for years. When you're playing with a guy like that, you know, a, a guy who's, you know, has earned every stripe he's he's uh, he's had and you see the kind of vocalist he is. How do you react to that? I mean, that, that that's a guy whose whose voice is just like it's just a magical piece of, of art. You're absolutely right. And it's always, you know, when when I was just in Phoenix a few weeks ago with Andy Sneap, the producer with Rob, putting new vocals down on new priest tracks. So, you know, we know Electric Eye, we know another thing coming, we know Breaking the Law, but we don't know these tracks. You know, these are new tracks and we're, we're coming up with vocals that don't exist. So, we, we, you know, so hearing these new tracks from that legendary voice with new messages and new phrases and stuff like that, it's incredibly exciting because it's, it's new stuff that we haven't heard before, but it's that voice that we all know and love and have grown up with. So it's a it's a it's a privileged position to be in, really, to be hearing those songs, being a part of those songs, uh, with that voice, and like chiseling out new songs that people are going to listen to for the first time or come to a show and be a part of. It's a it's a it's a, an exciting thing to be a part of. So I can't wait to release that record onto the world. I bet, Richie. I'm so glad you're doing well. The, the record is excellent. Elegant weapons, horns for a halo. It's coming out real soon, and I wish you all the best of luck and stay healthy, please. Thank you, brother. Great to talk to you, man. See, <laughs> good good to talking to you. Bye-bye. Bye, man. The name of the new Elegant Weapons album is called Horns for a Halo, and the new Judas Priest album could be released sometime next year. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Feel free to share it, like it, review it. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and you can also email me at banks at rock102.com. I'd love to hear what you think, and thanks again for listening to Banksy's musical podcast.